0: Bay doors. Hell. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the Batmobile.
1: May the force be with you. Who is that masked man?
0: Avengers assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We open the show as always with some genre-related news. The National Cartoonist Society held its NCS Fest last weekend. The Virtual Cartooning Festival included the 75th Annual NCS Awards, in which the Society recognizes outstanding achievements in all walks of the profession for the previous year. This year's recipient of the Cartoonist of the Year was Ray Billingsley, creator of the popular newspaper strip, Curtis, Billingsley is the first African-American cartoonist to receive the coveted award. Accepting the award, Billingsley said, this has been a huge step for me and also a monumental step for the NCS because I'm the first black guy to win the prestigious Rubin Award and for that I am very grateful. He added, I wish creators like Maury Turner and Ted Shearer and Brumsick Brandon Jr. were here to see this. Rob Zombie revealed first-look pictures of the stars of his upcoming reboot of The Monsters, featuring Jeff Daniels as Herman, Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily, and Daniel Roebuck as Grandpa. You can view the pictures on one of the FF social media pages, and while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed, and we love to be liked showrunner eliza clark has shared via twitter that why the last man has been cancelled by fx clark wrote we have learned that we will not be moving forward with fx on hulu for season two of why the last man i have never in my life been more committed to a story and there is so much more left to tell we had a gender diverse team of brilliant artists led by women at almost every corner of our production it is the most collaborative creatively fulfilling and beautiful thing I have ever been a part of, we don't want it to end." She also expressed hope the show could be picked up by another network. Former Batwoman star Ruby Rose took to Instagram this week to reveal allegations of wrongdoing, including various incidents of misconduct on the part of her co-stars, as well as unsafe conditions on the set, which led to her departure from the CW show. Warner Brothers Television refuted Rose's allegations in a statement claiming producers decided not to exercise their option to engage her for season two of Batwoman based on multiple complaints about workplace behavior that were extensively reviewed and handled privately out of respect for all concerned. Well, that sounds completely plausible. Mm. You can read about it on one of the aforementioned FF social media pages. Today, we're talking with a very talented creator about a variety of things, including her most recent work. But before I introduce our guest, here is the official FF review of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. For fans of science fiction literature, Dune is something of a must-read. Written by noted author Frank Herbert, The story was originally published in 1965 in Analog Magazine as two separate serials. The work was recognized with Hugo and Nebula awards for Best Novel. Dune is a sweeping story that serves as a masterful example of world-building. Its complexity makes for a challenging adaptation to the screen. Director Denis Villeneuve does a magnificent job in organizing and combining the elements construct an excellent representation of the work. Viewers familiar with the source material may be somewhat disheartened at the very beginning. The subtitle, Part 1, accompanies the main title card, so you know from the start that you're not going to get the satisfaction of the full story. Although, based on some of the criticism directed at David Lynch for the previous feature-length adaptation of the book, breaking the epic tale into two parts wasn't unreasonable. Dune is the story of Paul Atreides, heir to Duke Leto of the House Atreides. House Atreides is one of the great houses of the Landsrat during the days of the Imperium. Governed by the High Council and overseen by the Padishah Emperor, the Emperor gives House Atreides the highly prized fief of the planet Arrakis where the Spice Melange is found. Melange is the foundation of commerce and technological development in the known universe due to its critical role enabling space travel. Unknown to the Atreides, the Emperor is conspiring with a rival landstrat House, the Harkonnen. Both the Emperor and Baron Vladimir Harkonnen are envious of the rising popularity of Duke Leto Atreides. They plot to destroy the Atreides in a treacherous ambush, but they didn't count on Paul's emergence as a messiah-like figure, destined to rule the known universe. That's the shorthand of Dune. Curious parties should read the book. Herbert wrote several sequels, and there are additional books in the series written after Herbert's death by his son Brian and Kevin J. Anderson. Timothy Chalamet plays Paul. Chalamet is a very talented actor who delivers a fine performance. Even though it can be considered an ensemble picture, Dune is unquestionably Paul's story, and Chalamet is the star. Villeneuve has surrounded him with other exceptional actors, including Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Javier Bardem, Chen Chang, Dave Bautista, Charlotte Rampling, David Dasmalchian, and Zendaya. I especially enjoyed the performances of Ferguson and Isaac, but an outstanding ensemble cast such as this defies singling out any individual actor. One obvious reason for an updated movie is to take advantage of the advances in special effects since the 1984 version. The production design is also exceptional, and the producers have leveraged the locations in creating a sort of Middle Eastern feel to the Iraqian environment. That is accentuated by the background casting, and Hans Zimmer contributes a rich musical score. Villeneuve has made a closer adaptation of Herbert's novel than David Lynch. John Spites and Eric Roth co-wrote the screenplay with Villeneuve. Despite adherence to the original material, I noted the absence of Faye Routha. However, as it was only part 1, I assume the character will appear in the next movie. There will certainly be more screen time for others based in part on the fact that some characters from part 1 have cycled out. The movie runs 2 hours and 35 minutes. This is an epic picture. I was comfortable with the pacing. It's rated PG-13 and is violent with some mature themes. There's nothing gratuitous about this movie and whatever happens is in service to the story. This isn't a movie for children. A mature 12-year-old can see it, but I'd recommend that you get a sitter for kids any younger. This is a superb movie, and I expect it will be well received by fans. I hope it does well enough to warrant there being a part two. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. The official FF review of Denis Villeneuve's Dune, which opened domestically yesterday, So, now it's time to introduce today's special guest. Joining me is webcomic creator, science fiction author, artist, and editor, Shannon K. Garrity. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, It's such a wonderful treat to talk to you. Uh, I I have to confess, I... I, I know your husband and mm-hmm. I I used that as an in to be able to get to you here so Well everyone knows my husband. Well, but a lot of people know you too. I mean, That's true. you know as as a writer and science fiction author in fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so artist, I mean, you know you you kind of do it all, I you know. I do
1: everything comics related and yes, I also write science fiction that is not comics.
0: One of the things that impressed me so is that you went to Vassar <laughs> I'm like, "Whoa, okay, she's really smart."
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, and so what is it that drew you to this industry? I mean, you know, cuz you I've got to I've got to believe that I mean, it's got to be the love of it. I'm sure, but you know, cuz you could do anything. Oh, and I you I wish. chose to do this.
1: I wish. Um, you know what? There's a difference between being smart and being marketable. Um, I actually always if I hadn't gotten, I I always kind of figured I'd be on like the, the east stay on the east coast after college and go into like the publishing industry there. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, you're from Pittsburgh, right? I am from Pittsburgh originally. Yeah, I didn't. I mostly grew up in Ohio, but mm-hmm. my parents from Pittsburgh. My parents recently retired back to Pittsburgh, their homeland, and they're very happy there. So yeah, I'm from the, I mostly grew up in the Midwest, and. Um, Went out to Yeah, I went to college in Vassar, and I did get into... Um, but that was when I got I got hardcore into comics at Vassar. I mean, I've been into comics cool. before that. I mean, I got into, I started to become a big-time comics fan in high school. I uh, read a lot of comics and um, drew a comic strip for like the youth section of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Mm. Uh, I did that for a while. That was fun. And um, then in college, I started doing a comic strip for the college paper, because I like doing comic strips. And I started got, getting more intently into comics, like made a bunch of nerdy friends. Actually, um, I taught at one year. Um, in senior year, I did a student taught course in comics, which is a thing you can do at Vassar. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do um, under like, yeah, we had a, we needed like a professor to like be your, your spot, to sponsor the class and then you can like teach a class on something. So T Faulkner and I was a friend of mine um we taught a course in comics with our with michael joyce who was um a professor who was really actually really influential in um my thinking about comics he taught um michael joyce is um not a comics guy he is a um hypertext author um he's a like a new media writer and um he taught these classes at. um Vassar in the English department, all about um, just different types of of new media and um, teaching Marshall McLuhan, teaching like um, hyperfiction and like possibilities of like digital writing. And part of that was comics. He was really interested in the interaction of word and image. So I took classes with him that were really exciting, and we learned. I just actually learned about a whole bunch of different types of um, sort of alternative media. And comics was part of that. And then T and I taught a class on comics in senior year. And that was a lot of fun. And T is now the um, head of comics publishing, like, King Features. So she's published it. She's a comic strip editor, she's a big-time comic strip editor. And um, they are. And we, uh, so, like, we both, like, sort of stayed in the industry on opposite sides of the country. hmm um, wow. But yeah, so I got into that, and like, I, but I liked thinking about comics and um, making comics, and I started doing Narbonic immediately after college because I'd enjoyed doing a comic in the um, in the school in the college, college newspaper so much, and I wanted an excuse to like just keep drawing comic strips. And <laughs> friends like introduced me to web comics, and I'm like, I could probably do that. Because, no, like, very few web cartoons could draw very well at the time, so mm. it was very intimidating. I was like, I can't draw very well, but neither can, like, anybody else doing this. <laughs> I mean, actually, I mean, there were, there were exceptions. Like, um, Chris Baldwin, who I actually collaborated with on this graphic novel, um, was doing comics even before me. And he was, like, one, the, one of the few guys who could draw <laughs> and wasn't drawing doing, like, something incredibly geeky, which I was. But that was, I mean, that was kind of my background, and, um, I, um, yeah, know I had a good time at Vassar. I majored in English, um, so my background is really way more in writing than it is in drawing, as you can probably tell if you look at my writing and look at my drawing.
0: (laughs) I happen to like your artistic
1: stuff. I think it's good. I mean, it's gotten to the point that I can draw things pretty well at this point, as long as I don't have to, like, get too ambitious, but it's taken a very long time. I don't have, like a natural talent for drawing the way I do for writing I'm pretty hmm. good at writing but drawing has taken a lot like 20 years of practice
0: hmm you know it's funny cuz i i i generally think that uh, it, it's the other way around in terms of a lot of people i mean you know cuz a lot of people can draw but that writing frankly is harder and yeah, you know well- it, at least that's what i think
1: you know, it depends. I mean, um, really good artists are hard to come by, but, um, I mean, you can't have a good comic without a good story. So it's kind of, the, that's, that's kind of, that's the foundation of it. But then like drawing takes a lot more time, so you should pay the artists more.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I shoot all <laughs> the people who collaborate doing this stuff. You need to get paid a lot more
1: yeah, as no far kidding. as
0: I'm concerned. I mean, I, that's, but i yeah. I cannot and stress it, it,
1: enough how in favor of getting paid I am. Thank you for calling me purist, but I am such a big fan of getting money for (laughs)
0: services rendered. But I get the feeling, and this is part of the reason I I refer to you as a purist, I get the feeling that you would be driven to do some of this, whether you were getting paid or not. Or certainly whether you were getting paid a lot or not. Yeah, definitely. Shane, in just a moment. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shane and Kay Garrity. So uh, I guess Narbonic uh, Mm -hmm. is is kind of where this thing starts because that was your first webcomic.
1: That's right, that was my first webcomic. I started it in the summer of 2000.
0: Yeah, and webcomics were, I mean, it was all new back then, wasn't it?
1: It was pretty new. People have been doing webcomics since the 90s, but um, around the time I started, around 1999, 2000, there was a big explosion where a lot more people started putting comics online, and I was part of that.
0: Well, and that one really seemed to take off. I mean, you know, you were doing it for uh, for a long time.
1: Yeah, in our ran for like six years, um, I kind of had a plot arc planned for it, and that's how long it ended up taking. But yeah, it did it did pretty well. It was it was a lot of fun to do, and it's still kind of my like sort of signature comic, even though it's very old and very crude looking now. Uh, it was on um, a webcomic site called Modern Tales for a long time, which no longer exists, but it was one of A number of sort of webcomics collectives that existed at the time. And uh, Modern Tales was subscription-based, so um, people paid a subscription to get access to all the webcomics. And uh, Narbonic was like sort of one of the flagship titles on that. I was involved with them for a long time.
0: And because of the notoriety behind that, I would imagine that there are still people that uh, recognize you behind that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there are probably people who don't know anything else I've done. (laughs) There almost certainly are.
0: Uh, the whole webcomic thing, that (laughs) seems very cutting edge to me, particularly in terms of, uh, you know, the the way that that's delivered. It was in like
1: 2000.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I'm I'm an old guy. What can I tell you? (laughs) Yeah, I was was
1: cool and with it like 21 years ago.
0: (laughs) Well, and that sort of begs the question, just in terms of where comics have been, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're going. Um, you know, because uh, there are some people who will tell you that uh, these multi-billion dollar adaptations that are being made into movies and television, as if that's the future for comics. But... You know,
1: I am fully in favor of somebody making a multi-billion dollar adaptation. Of... <laughs>
0: that's fine with me.
1: I'm not going to complain. Yay!
0: Yeah, hey, you know, again, it, the, the fact that it is a business... And I think that's wonderful. And I am all for creators getting paid and, you know, getting some notoriety behind this stuff. But I'm curious because, you know, you are someone who seems uniquely qualified uh, to me to judge, um, you know, what's happening with this stuff. And, you know, of course, sequential storytelling is never going to go away. But comics themselves, it seems as if maybe we're going to end up in a place where, they're more um uh, ip or source material for some of these other products and i mean obviously that (laughs) if you're getting a check as a creator you know that's not a problem but as a consumer uh you know and somebody who loves comics i'm just curious about uh, what your thoughts are and where you think the industry itself is going
1: Uh, geez that's such a big question and there's some because the industry is so many things now i mean even just talking about web comics um, getting into a place where right now I think web comics are challenged by the fact that there's less of a web than there used to be. Like everything is centered mm-hmm. around um, a small number of social media sites. And that's become a challenge in like launching new comics online and figuring out how to get people in front of them or how to get comics in front of people. Mm-hmm. And um, the, actually, I mean, I'm seeing like sort of web comics collectives or central place central places companies that will provide comics like webtoons springing up now again which is probably pretty good um because there's so few like there's so little direction when you're trying to get people to look at comics online and find them um so i'm interested in where that is going and whether web comics are even a useful separate category of comics at this point or if it's just all comics are digital to some degree and you're just delivering them in different ways i mean as far as comics as ip goes i've you know it's i have no idea where that's going i'm not in the entertainment industry i'm in the comp. well i'm in the comics industry you can argue whether that's entertainment but um it seems like there's a getting to be a glut right now maybe but then again comics are actually really you know, it's a really flexible medium for adaptation, so I can see where that's a very, you know, a well that other media wants to go to right now. Um, you can adapt comics in a lot of different ways because it's a very flexible mm-hmm. medium.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm also working in the manga industry. I'm a manga editor. Right. And, um, that's a whole area of comics that's been cross-pollinating with American comics for a long time now and is currently in the middle of a boom, and that's very exciting and is creating a whole new branch of the industry. Well, not new, but an expanding branch of the industry. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, comics are a lot of things now.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well, and manga in particular, because, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because of my understanding of... Uh, how big manga is in Japanese culture. I mean, this is, uh, it's its its consumed by everybody, you know, and it seems to have uh, gained attraction, uh, you know, culturally over in Japan uh, in such a way that comics haven't sort of actually achieved here in the United States. I mean, its it strikes me as still more of a subculture kind of thing for the most part, I mean, in terms of the comics themselves, you know, maybe now the um, the adaptations have become more mainstream. I mean, you find more people who are engaged with these Marvel movies, in particular, or some of the television shows. Uh, you know, less so than the original source material, comics.
1: Yeah. Certain- I mean, what do you What do you think? Yeah, certainly more people have seen Guardians of the Galaxy than have read a Rocket Raccoon comic, uh, by order of magnitude. You know the manga industry is. You know there's there are lessons that the American American comics industry can take from manga, and then lessons that don't necessarily translate. Um, I will say that being like a super hardcore nerdy fan of manga is kind of fringe in Japan, just as it is just as being a super hardcore nerdy fan of comics is over here. Uh, but manga just has a it has slightly different history. Um, as part of pop culture in Japan, I think, like, historically, the, the ubiquitousness of manga I kind of goes back to um, the post-war period in Japan, and Japan being um, very poor for a long time after that period. Um, so Ooh. most people did not get televisions until, like, I think late in the 1960s. And also just by a sort of quirk of the way the Japanese film industry works, film movies tend to be on the expensive side so comics became a popular form of entertainment especially children's entertainment to a degree that didn't happen in the u.s because people had other entertainment options and kids had other entertainment options so you know in like um 1940s 1950s 1960s japan you had like um manga running in children's magazines which is still the case to the point they took over the magazines they had you had manga rental stores and lending libraries you just had it was just part of the culture to a larger degree than it was in the u.s and that has to do with a lot of things that happened historically in the comics industry in the u.s at the same time Uh, so i mean there's a whole difference in the way that comics have historically been consumed in japan which is not necessarily repeatable but there's certainly a lot of lessons we can take um from the manga industry it's like definitely a lot more it, it has traditionally aimed at a lot more markets than the American comics industry has for maybe the last 30 or 40 years and um, it's maybe more canny about appealing to particular markets and audiences and making and providing a lot of different options and a lot of different material for people um, but you know even so the manga industry is kind of in a slump like a lot of the japanese economy so you know maybe don't copy everything um <laughs> the manga industry was at its absolute peak in the 1990s um economically and um <laughs> it said that um, the end of dragon ball like sort of collapsed the manga economy because that was the, the last super giant title that was keeping everything up and uh, they kind of, and a big reason that we're seeing so much manga internationally now is that they need the international market like they the American market went from being just a side hustle for Japanese publishers to a pretty big deal. And they realize that there's like a huge audience over here that they, they need to, um, sell to. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things about manga and a lot of not so good things about manga. I've been working as i I'm a freelance editor, um, for Viz Media. Um, I'm just a freelancer, so I'm not speaking for, um, Viz Media. And, um, so, but I've been doing that for about 20 years. So I've, Been on this ride for a while now. I went through the last manga boom, and now I'm in the middle of another one. It's a lot of fun, and I love bringing more manga to the world. (laughs) But it's an interesting market. It's it's um it's interesting, and also it's been around long enough in the U. Like manga's been a semi-mainstream thing in the U.S. for long enough that it's influenced American comics creators and publishers, and that's really exciting to see too. I mean, there's you look at um, comics creators who are younger than me which is a lot of them now and um they're they have a a lot of them are strongly influenced by manga they grew up with manga and it's just part of what they consumed and understood to be to be comics and to be storytelling it's they incorporate manga elements very naturally into their work
0: Mm. uh shane in just a moment That musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. That means, among other things, that we are non-commercial, which means, among other things, that we rely upon our listeners as well as our underwriters and program sponsors for the operations of the station. Please make it your business today to visit the website at wera.fm or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at arlingtonmedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today. But of course, we are just scratching the surface in this discussion with Shannon K. Garrity. And Shannon and I aren't going anywhere. We hope you don't either. Stick around. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by my special guest, Shannon K. Garrity. And we were just talking a little bit about uh, manga. Well, because among other things, I mean, of course, uh, Shannon is a... Artist. She is a science fiction writer. Uh, she is a webcomic creator. She's also a manga editor. And there was a really interesting observation, uh, Shannon, that you made uh, in the in the first half of the show about the growth of manga and you know sort of how um, you know there was it was the easiest thing for people to get and uh, you know th- that absolutely had to have fueled. The success of it over there, you know. So, um, you know, I, it, it, part of what troubles me about our culture here is it seems like there are fewer people who are reading. And one of the things that I loved coming up was that um, I mean, okay, I mean, I, I read real books too, but you know, <laughs> comics—you could you could actually learn things reading comics. (laughs) And uh, it's funny because I'm reminded uh, if there was somebody who was, uh, say, mispronouncing a word, Mm -hmm. I I tried not to get on them because, wow, okay, you saw that, you read it somewhere. That's why you don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, that's right. I mispronounce words
1: all the time because I read instead of talking to people.
0: The point that I was making was just simply that I I wish, uh, part of what I worry about is that There aren't enough people who are reading comics and there are so many other uh, draws on people's free time and so many other things now that uh, younger people in particular are interested in. I mean, I'm not so much into the whole gaming thing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that uh, video games have in some ways supplanted comics Mm -hmm. as you know, something that younger people do at their free time. And there are a substantial number of games that are actually based on comics that people are playing and getting into, you know. So, I mean, I, again, it, it the stuff isn't ever going to completely go away, but it's something else that contributes to uh, them not being as popular or as successful as they maybe could be.
1: I know. I mean, obviously video games are huge. I've got a kid who is he's seven and he doesn't even have any game consoles yet, but he's obsessed with video games. He's obsessed with Minecraft, a game he has never played. <laughs> and he's he's learned computer skills solely so that he can go online and find like Minecraft like emulators that he can play.
0: <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah, but um but and that's actually that's actually been part of the time <laughs> that you hear publishers in japan say the same uh, manga publishers in japan say the same thing too i mean there's starting around the 2000s there was a big concern that people were really gaming and doing stuff with their phones way more than they were and this was supplanting manga reading because it used to be it used to be standard that people would read manga on public transit that was mm actually another another cultural factor influencing manga consumption is that a lot of people a large most people like the vast majority of people in Japan live in a few big cities and um, Tokyo has like a giant portion of the population and it's just one enormous city and so people are on public transit a lot a lot of people have like, like sizable commutes and traditionally like people would frequently read manga on the on the subway or on the train it's like light reading and so people started being like when cell phones started proliferating like manga publishers were concerned because like people aren't reading comics on the train anymore now they're reading now they're just looking at their phones they're playing phone games like what are we going to do about this and um just it's for a move um moving towards doing more digital manga and getting more online but it's a concern all over the world and every every publishing industry globally is dealing with that but at the same time um younger people are reading a lot you look at the demographics and like teens and young adults are actually reading more than older adults there's actually a huge audience for books and for comics and the graphic novel market in the u.s has exploded in recent years mm. and that has a lot to do with younger readers teens and young adults um reading a lot more and just reading for for fun for entertainment and they like comics comics are fun and that's suddenly become like a huge a huge market and It's really great it's it's very exciting
0: <laughs> mm, yeah well you give me reason for optimism i and, have uh...
1: hope for i mean i you know I'm kind of less interested in comics as an industry than I am as an art form. And, like, comics as an art form isn't going away. It's always a thing that will exist. Like, you can always draw pictures on a piece of paper in sequential order. And -hmm. if you, like, add dialogue. I mean, again, my kid draws comics. In fact, he almost... He likes to make books, and they're always like they're just comic books. He like staples a bunch of papers together and um, Mm -hmm. pieces of paper together, and draws pictures of Minecraft mob. He's in the middle of a vast. That's the thing, right? It used to be. It used to be all of his book comics were about cats, which I liked. Mm -hmm. Now all of his comics are about the
0: Enderman. Minecraft.
1: Minecraft. (laughs) Yes, Um, he is in the middle of the a an Enderman saga that is currently twenty eight volumes long. And it's nothing but like mostly wordless comics of these characters going on adventures. You just staple some papers together and draws pictures, and you know draws a story which you will then describe to us. And like that's comics. Comics are like one of the great things about comics is that it's, they're it's a very easy medium to get into. the The entry point is very low. You just need to draw a little bit and write a little bit. Um, the, Actually, mastering it is incredibly difficult, and actually making money for from it is nearly impossible. But it's very easy to get into it. It's a very accessible medium. So, I mean, I don't have any great recommendations about like growing the comics industry, um, but I'm 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 just much more interested in making comics and reading comics and uh, letting the chips fall where they may.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you're a purist, and uh, and I have to laugh because <laughs> I'm uh, not. You're... Am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, in that you love the art form, uh, yes. You know, I mean, particularly being somebody who who works in the industry. I mean, there's some people who are totally dedicated to monetizing this. You know, and well, again, which isn't to say that that isn't uh, a consideration or even one of your priorities. But listening to you, there's there's something that you say about about the art form and the accessibility of it and the proliferation of it that honestly touches my heart. I mean, you know, because that's yeah, well, yeah, I mean that because you got to love it. I mean, and it starts it starts with loving it. Okay. I mean, I've got to assume the money is pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Well and even some of the greatest people who have done it, you know, or most prolific say. You know, because I look at like a, a Jack Kirby. Oh God. And you know, one of the things that I've that's... heard said about Jack Kirby is he was really, really great at making comics and really lousy at getting paid for it, you know. And yeah. For you somebody know... who they call the king that's like, yikes. <laughs>
1: You know, Harvey Kurtzman used to say I was never a businessman. That was my problem. And it's true. He's, Car- Kurtzman spent his entire career, he had one one big financial, like, money-making success in his life. And he left mm-hmm. it and then spent the rest of his career doing brilliant stuff. And actually, he always, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by Kurtzman. He's kind of like, I, he's, he's almost my patron saint in comics because he was so bad at making money. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he didn't get, unlike Kirby, he didn't get screwed over either. He actually had, like, like a, a whole series throughout his career of, like, wealthy patrons and publishers who liked his work and supported it. And somehow he just could not do stuff that people liked, except when he was on Mad Magazine and briefly running Mad Magazine. Um, and I appreciate that. I really admire that. Um, but, yeah, and then, and then Kirby got, a lot of guys got screwed over. It's a bad industry.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, that's, that's, well, <laughs> that's a whole nother area, but I, I'd like to pivot back to, um, well, to you. So, um, let's talk a little bit about your most recent work, uh, you know, Dire Days of Willowweep Manor, because I, I, I tell you, I, I, <laughs> I went online and, uh, you know, there are some, uh, like the first uh, six, eight pages available. And I thought this thing was really cool. I'm like, I was angry when the whole thing wasn't available. So, you know, obviously, I'm going to have to place an order. And, you know, since we're talking, I, I'm I'm going to see if I can't get uh, a copy uh, autographed by the author here. Aww. But, um, you know, a really wonderful work. And uh, so this this just came out recently, right?
1: Yeah, this just came out in what September, I think. It's 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 quite recent. And that's my first graphic novel um, written by me and drawn by uh, Chris Baldwin, who I've been friends with through web, like web comics for a long time now. And we kind of wanted to do something together and he had an idea for this story and wanted me to like write it and flesh it out and write a script. And uh, so we kind of collaborated on that and brainstormed stuff and I wrote a story and he drew it and now we have a book.
0: Mm. and that's the story
1: of how a graphic novel gets made
0: (laughs) the collaborative process (laughs) (laughs) i love it well and uh you know high-powered publisher behind this thing too simon and schuster
1: yeah yeah well i have an agent is now is the thing oh i know
0: representation i love it. yeah
1: so yes i um my neck i actually have sold another graphic novel which will also be published by the same simon and schuster imprint oh and that'll be out in like two years because it takes forever to draw things <laughs> I'm, but yeah uh it's um it, yes yeah, it's very exciting I, this is my first graphic novel it's the first time i've written like an entire graphic novel script um and um it was um it was a challenge i made mean, i've written comic scripts before comic book scripts i've written mm. for I've written, actually, I've written some stuff for Marvel in the past and for Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know how to, like, write a comic book script, but um, this is the first time I've written, like, a whole, like, you know, 184 or whatever page graphic novel. And it was actually a lot of fun. It was great. I just, um, thumbnailed all, all the pages because I could draw a little bit. And then, um, I, I, like, did a sort of Marvel method with myself where I would, like, decide what was going to happen in this. In a scene and like thumbnail some pages out and then go back and like write in the dialogue and describe exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is my method now. I've discovered this is this actually works pretty well. I've written I've now written several scripts <laughs> <laughs> the same way. Like I said, well I, I, could, I could talk about the other the next one. The next one's called because it's been announced. It's called Steam. It's going to be drawn by Emily Holden. She's uh, Emily Holden Dixon. She's very good. Mm-hmm. And it's um, sort of a bad science romance set at a coffee shop which are all things that i like i really like mad scientists like most like, <laughs> there's no mad scientists in willow wheat manor which is kind of um kind of out of my comfort zone i like there to be some mad mad genius <laughs> no just that, that's that's what i do now i'm like go to a coffee shop and like thumbnail pages and then like write dialogue and eventually i have an entire script i have a couple other scripts now that i'm that are being shopped around that i hope get made
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that, you know, particularly given your background and the foundation that you're doing some of this stuff on, um, I, I've got to believe it's imminent. And, you know, mm-hmm. looking at, uh, you know, Willow Weave Manor, for example, you know, this uh, lead character, Haley, I became interested and engaged mm-hmm. you know, oh, with her. I mean, the fact that, you know, she liked reading and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this sort of old fashioned thing that she had, you know, in terms of uh you know the um you know the Wuthering heights you know kind yes, of yes
1: yes she's outlook, really like you know yeah she's a goth but it's into like classical gothic novels like <laughs> Wuthering heights and jane eyre yeah and that's i mean yeah i mean it's it's pretty easy for me to write like a, a nerd who's into like weird obscure stuff semi-obscure stuff because that's just me and that was, we worked on this character for a while originally like like originally, she was gonna be a grad student, and we kind of like de-aged her down to being like a high school kid. Is just really into this weird stuff, mm, mm-hmm. and um, she actually she went through a lot of different drafts trying to figure out exactly like what this character was and how she was gonna to respond to things. And mm. I think being here, like an over enthusiastic geek is definitely my contribution to the story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it works. That's
1: that's a character type I'm very
0: comfortable with. Yeah, well, I recognize this character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I see this person all the time at conventions. Yeah, I
1: think and, even you know. if you're not in that specific fandom, you understand it's easy to understand a fan. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Well, and and I think that's one of the things that uh, comics readers look for uh, in the comics that uh, you know that they really treasure. You know, is somebody who looks like them, and you know somebody, and you know, totally in terms of the appearance and. You know, the um, outlook and and all of that. And, uh, you know, I think I think there are going to be a lot of people who identify with this particular character.
1: I hope so. Mm-hmm. You a lot of fun to write.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, any chance for uh, seeing any more of this character? No, I mean, I haven't. I, I don't know how it ends. So I'm Oh
1: Yeah, that... I know. You can read the whole book and then get more. And uh, yeah, I think Chris and I would both like to do a Willow Weep sequel. So mm-hmm. we're talking about that.
0: Mm hmm. What's the feedback been like so far?
1: It's been good. I mean, the reviews have been really good. I think it's it's selling it's selling pretty well. Uh, we got we got positive reviews from like Kirkus and Publishers Weekly, which are which is which are good. That's very mm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it's done pretty well. And I've actually like seen it in bookstores. Which, uh again, this is like my first sort of mainstream published book. I've like self, been self-publishing comics for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the first to come up like a publisher it also means that i don't have to like have all the copies of the book in my house <laughs> here, so that helps a lot
0: <laughs> i'm sure your family is grateful <laughs> for
1: that. yeah um every yeah the the basement and we have a detached office and they're basically just storage areas for comics at this point mm-hmm. a lot of which are my narbonic and skinhorse books the rest is Andrew's comic book collection. I actually don't have a huge collection of, like, comic books. I have lots of mm-hmm. collections and graphic novels and trades and stuff. But Andrew's the one who collects, like, individual monthly comics. I guess for the, I guess for, for listeners to explain, my husband Andrew is the curator at the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We're both, like, big old comics nerds. He's only a nerd about comics. I'm a nerd about everything. <laughs> but he's, like, a totally normal cool guy who is just obsessed with comics.
0: Just a moment, Shannon. You're listening to Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shannon K. Garrity. So, um, all right, uh, what's next for you? I mean, you said that you've <laughs> got another graphic novel thats that, that you're working on that yeah. you expect to be out in another... Uh, Two years or so? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. um, That'll be called Steam. And I mean, my part on it is mostly done because I've written the script. Now Mm -hmm. Emily gets to draw the whole thing. And I have other scripts that I'm selling, shopping around that I probably can't talk about yet. I'm trying to write a graphic novel that my son would enjoy. Mm -hmm. He actually liked Willow Weep Manor, which was great. I was so happy that he he read it and and laughed at it. (laughs) Even though it's aimed at a somewhat older audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but he liked it, um, and um, told me it was good. He's very supportive. But I'm trying to write a, a graphic novel for him right now. Doing mm-hmm. finding things that he likes. My my process for coming up with like ideas right now for books is just to write down three things I like, and then mm-hmm. be able to make a story from combining those three things. Mm-hmm. And ho- hopefully it'll be like, and then the idea that'll it be something I in, I enjoy writing about because it's three things that I like. Mm-hmm. I wrote down three mm-hmm. things my son likes. I'm trying to write a story of that. So I'm doing that, and um, Skin Horse, my extremely long webcomic with Jeff Wells.
0: Yeah, you said that was going to be coming to an kind end. Kind
1: of ending. We're slowly mm-hmm. – we're in, like, the sort of big finale story arc or set mm-hmm. of story arcs right now. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, so we're kind of winding that down. We're trying to figure out what that means and how we um, we sort of decouple after writing this comic together for – 13 or 14 years now it's actually been an incredibly long time i did not expect it to go on this long i mean again narbonic went on for six years which is a pretty long run
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and um, i had a year when i was not doing a daily comic and i did a bunch of other things instead and then i got the idea for skin horse and asked jeff if he wanted to like collaborate on it because i didn't want to do i didn't want to do another daily comic solo it's a lot of work
0: yeah
1: and now that's ended like ended up being much longer than i expected it to be i knew it would be longer than narbonic but i didn't know it would be over 10 years
0: <laughs> quite a mm-hmm. lot
1: and so i've got that um then i'm gonna wrap that up and figure out what to do that means we'll probably have two more volumes of the print collection to put out we've been doing um we, we publish it we self-publish everything through kick um funded through kickstarter which mm-hmm. is kickstarter has been absolute godsend for like indie cartoonist, mm. and um lately we've been doing like two volumes at a time through kickstarter so we can um and i think that's what we'll do for the final one so there's that i'm working on grap- writing graphic novels trying to sell graphic novels gonna finish up skin horse which is very exciting i have no idea what i'm gonna do when skin horse <laughs> is over and um, I'm still working it. I'm still working for Viz, doing making comics, making manga. I'm doing rewriting and editing on different titles. Some titles I rewrite, some titles I edit.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Any personal like appearances coming up? Uh, convention appearances right or
1: anything? No, nobody's going anywhere. Right, or at least I'm not going anywhere right now. <laughs> hopefully, I'll be able to go places. I will hopefully be a guest at San Diego Comic Con next year, mm. assuming we can be in person next year.
0: Well, they keep inviting you. So
1: I I get. Well, I mean, it's it's not for my benefit. They they don't you know they don't want to tell everybody who is a guest like sorry you don't get to be a a guest and go to the hotel and have a spotlight panel because um, because of the plague.
0: Mm. So they're just gonna
1: have like double or triple guests next year, I guess. Um, So yeah, so that's um, that's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I look forward to getting back to doing at least some conventions. I didn't, I, you know, I was always kind of light on conventions in recent years because, um, again, some of the, like the indie conventions around here, it's smaller conventions, it's, like dried up and mm-hmm. what i like to do because I'm not really, I'm not really like a big mainstream convention type of person. That's not the kind of work I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd kind of like, and plus I have a kid, so that's mm-hmm. you know, that's sometimes interferes although he's been going to conventions since he was a baby at this point
0: mm. yeah you guys I, are really uh, i mean he he's going to end up working in the industry oh i mean gosh, you I know this he, is oh, the youngest he, intern going here i mean oh my got, gosh I hope,
1: he, I, I hope he rebels against us and does something <laughs> that like makes money
0: <laughs> for us in our old age Poor kid doesn't have a chance with the two of you as his parents, you know, I mean, especially making comics now.
1: Well, he tells us he has a he has a career plan for himself. He is going Mm -hmm. to raise chickens and play video games. (laughs) And honestly, that's a better plan than I have (laughs) for it.
0: Oh you gotta admire to you. Him,
1: I don't even want to tell him that people actually make money playing video games these days because that would just set him completely off. But I figured yeah, <laughs> his plan is he's gonna like you know have a farm, a home farm. He's gonna make mm-hmm. great and chickens and um if he needs money he'll sell wow. eggs and he'll play video games. He's got it all figured out. Mm. He's a genius.
0: There you go. You yeah. know? <laughs> I love it. Hey, and if um, if people are curious about you and they want to follow you or they want to find your work, oh, uh, how can they... they do that?
1: Well, my website is shanon.com. My, my name is spelled S H A E N O mm-hmm. N. And the downside of that is no one has ever been able to spell or pronounce my name. <laughs> the upside, the upside mm-hmm. is that I own shanon.com because there were no other shanons competing with it. So I'm on there, and then my Twitter account is Shannon Garrity. Uh, Just one word, and that was that was actually the first website I ever went on where I couldn't just be Shannon. I got like by the time I got on Twitter, I got on Twitter a little late. There was already a Shannon. I was so pissed. Mm -hmm. I don't like other Shannons. I've never met any, (laughs) but I assume that if we met, we would just like both explode like. I just am uncomfortable with the idea of other Shannons being out there in the world, walking around, being named Shannon.
0: Well, you're the real Shannon. Yeah. Know, these other ones, they're like the phony Shannons. Well,
1: I don't want to put them down, but obviously.
0: That's okay. I'll, I'll put them down.
1: Ultimately, ultimately like Jet Lee's the one would be the other thing. We have to fight and gain each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shannon K. Garrity, thank you so much. Hello. This has been such an entertaining conversation.
1: Oh, good! And,
0: I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and uh, give us give us the website and uh, the Twitter one more time, please. Um,
1: website is Shannon.com, Twitter is shaynandgarrettie.
0: There you go. And everybody needs to uh, to follow you, and uh, you know, look into that. Uh, the dire days of Willowweed Manor. Trust me, you will not be sorry. Wonderful, uh, new graphic novel uh, from this extremely talented artist-writer-editor. Well, and of course, that's all the time we have. I'd like to thank our special guest, Shane and Kay Garrity, and you too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and you can visit the website at fantasticforum.tv, to find out when it airs in your area or simply check your local listings. You can also visit the website to watch the show. We've got complete episodes. We've also got the various segments broken out, the interviews, the special features, the toy and game profiles, everything that you have come to love from the television version. It's all right there on fantasticforum.tv. We also have links to the various radio episodes and... You can listen to it there as well. Uh, Of course, the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4, right here on WERA. Tell your friends. And we're available as a podcast on all the platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts, thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. So you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe, and be sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.